Luke chapter 10, we're going to um, <clears throat> revisit Luke chapter 10 in just a moment, but before we get into that, I want to tell you a story. Back when uh, our son was a uh, second grader up in Illinois, um, we're just new at this school thing, you know, kindergarten, first grade, he was going into second grade, and the community that we were in was, uh, at least the school uh, that we were in, it was growing like gangbusters. Uh, the year just prior to the school year starting, they had to add a couple of classes, uh, particularly for first grade and second grade. Well, uh, Gabe's teacher, Mrs. Stout, um, that year, uh, she'd been teaching for eons. Um, she, uh, she was older than dirt. Uh, no, I'm just sorry, but she was on, in her last year before retirement. This was her final year. Gabe was going to have her as his, as his second grade teacher. Um, and this was going to be her year before she retired. Well, we get word that there's just this onslaught of students coming into the, the school system that year, and they're adding a class, and they had given Miss Stout um, uh, one of these kind of put-together piecemeal classes, and we found out that there were going to be, get this, second grade, keep in mind, 17 boys and five girls in this second grade class. How many elementary or grade school teachers do we have here? Okay, uh, yeah, you can wave. How many would love a class like that? You know, <laughs> all right? 17 boys, second grade boys, five second grade girls. And so we go to parent, teacher, meet the teacher night before school started that year. And uh, we got to meet Miss Stout, an incredibly godly woman. Uh, She's been teaching a long, 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 long time. And, and if anyone had permission to be set in her ways and to do things the way she liked to do things, it was her. Guaranteed. She was kind of the rock star teacher every kid wanted, Mrs. Stout. And uh, uh, this was the class that gave us that. But 17 boys, five girls. And as we sat down, got talking to her, meeting her, uh, we, we just kind of looked at her and said, are you okay with, with this year? You know, what did you do wrong to the administrators to deserve this? And it, I'll never forget her answer. She looked up as Dana and I sat across the table and she said this. She says, uh, Darren, Dana, I'm simply praying and asking the Lord to give me the tools that I need to teach these kids the way they need to be taught this year. I tell you, it floored me. Like I said, if anyone had the right and had put in her time to be able to stand there and, and say, you know what, I know the best way to teach. It was her. And then here she was with this, with this posture of saying, you know what? I need to rely on God in my life to work in me and through me, even in my job as a teacher, to teach these kids the way they need to learn. I'm going to try to adjust my style. I'm going to try and adjust the way I teach because this is going to be a wheels off class. And I'm going to try to do my best, but I can't do it on my own. I need the Lord to, to work in me and through me. It got me thinking a lot about our faith. You know, we, we come to faith in Christ and, and we, we put in some time, we, we sit some, some, some Sundays uh, in church and, and we, we mature in our faith and oftentimes we get to this point in our lives where we go, I know how to do this. I, I, in fact, I know the best way to do this and this is the way. And for, for many uh, who've walked the road of faith for years, it'd be very easy to get to that point. 
But yet I want to encourage each and every one of us, no matter how long we've walked in, our, in this relationship with the Lord, to have that posture of, Lord, would you work in me and through me what is required and what is necessary in each given situation? And that's what I want us to, to talk about today, praying a powerful prayer, praying that vulnerable prayer of, of saying, Lord, would you equip me and prepare me as I step out into what might be a, a uncomfortable situation for me. I've never done something like this before. How many have said that before? I can honestly tell you next week, I have never done anything like this in 30 years of pastoral ministry as a lead pastor, as an associate pastor, as a church staff member. And I have in, in 50 years of my life, I have never kicked Sunday service to the curb uh, as far as preaching and said, let's go out and be the sermon to our community. So you talk about uncomfortable, and yet each and every one of us were saying, Lord, we want you to work in us and through us. We want you to be a part of this process. It's, it's breaking it down to, to the, the lowest common denominator and saying, God, would you speak and would you do what you want to do? So that said, we turn to Luke chapter 10. And, and I believe that it, as we talk about love where you live, there are three aspects, three attributes to what we're doing um, that puts this, this all in perspective. The first one is this. The first one is that it's practical. It's practical when, when Luke says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's, he's, he's telling us that, that Jesus pulled his disciples together and looked them in the eye and said, there's a, a, a great commandment. He's answering this Pharisee. What is the, the number one priority when it comes to your relationship with God, and Jesus says, oh, that's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then he says, the second is like unto it. He, he doesn't say the second command is kind of the junior member of the, the couplet here. The, the second has equal status to the first. In fact, it's homogenous. You can't tell the difference. One is like unto the other. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so as we go to do this, it has a practical outworking. We've been talking about this for weeks, and guaranteed what's gone through your mind is, okay, how does this happen? How does this take place in something that's not conjured up, it's something that's natural, it's something that's organic, but yet something that's effective, and it, it truly is practical. Next week, we'll gather at nine, have a time of worship, grab a cup of coffee, head out. Some will stay here. Uh, this room will look much different next, next uh, week. We're not going to have all the rows. There'll be, uh, as Pastor Elena said, there's, there's going to be some uh, teams who will be working here at the church, and we're just going to have to set up some areas in here. And so worship is going to kind of just be standing up. We're not going to get too comfortable here before we break out into our groups. Some people will go uh, down the road. Some people will go across town. We are going to mobilize in teams. Don't feel also next week, if you haven't signed up yet, that you can't come or shouldn't come. Show up. We'll put you with a team. We'll get you hooked up somewhere that, that uh, uh, we either need help or something that you want to do. We'll hook you up. So next week will practically be a, an outworking of what we're called to do. 
But this is also a, a, a long-term thing. This isn't just a one-shot deal. This isn't a one and done. This isn't pat ourselves on the back, great, wasn't that an awesome Sunday, and then never to revisit it. This is priming the pump for what I believe God wants us to live out in our day-to-day lives. So there's some practical things that you can do even in your neighborhood. Think of the needs of your neighborhood. Maybe there's someone in your neighborhood, uh, not just next week, but the week after, three weeks from now, maybe next spring, someone needs their lawn mowed. Maybe there's some gutters that need to be cleaned out uh, on your neighbor's house. Maybe they're going on vacation and need someone to look after their, their pets or look in on their house. Maybe there's an opportunity that you have to share a meal or grill out, watch a ball game together. First service, I talked about, you know, some of y'all have these man caves or she sheds. Um, well, some of y'all, um, if you live out in the, uh, you have some acreage, I've seen some pictures of some of these places. You guys, you know, you have... Uh, a building in the back uh, 40 of your, uh, of your uh, acreage there, and that rivals Buffalo Wild Wings as far as the number of TVs that you got in that place. You got your smoker, you got your grill, you got your, you know, you're set up, you're hooked up. Well, how about opening up that door and inviting some of your neighbors over? Getting them to come over, watch a ball game, uh, entertain them, uh, cook some food, get, you know, you find out somebody down the, the street does, uh, you know, great ribs or chicken wings or something, invite them over, tell them to bring some food, bring their own, you know, whatever. Invite them. Uh, in Matthew 9, verse 10, uh, there's actually an account where, where Jesus is hanging out at, at Matthew's house, and it says there are a bunch of tax collectors and sinners who are around having dinner with Jesus and his disciples. Now, back then, you know, as is the case now, tax collectors weren't real popular people back then. It's not like Jesus was surrounding them with these you know, top-notch people in, in the community. He was inviting those around him, those people who, uh, who he wanted to engage with, and were invited to do the same, encouraged to do the same. You can call that a Matthew party. Just opening up your doors, invite, you know, do a block party. Uh, up in Illinois, when we lived in a cul-de-sac, we'd just kind of all meet out in the cul-de-sac on a Sunday evening and, and have a good time. I think uh, looking beyond our neighborhoods, um, something that's very common here in, in uh, North Texas is uh, a lot of our kids play sports. A lot of our kids play extracurricular out-of-school sports, uh, select baseball, volleyball, basketball. You, you, you just have to drive by a school or a gymnasium or a rec center on a weekend, uh, drive by a ball field on a, on a Saturday, and you're, you're going to see parents all over the place. Well, some of you are in that stage of life. And I want to encourage you to be practical about your schedule. You might not live in a neighborhood where you have tons of neighbors, or you might know all your neighbors already. They might even come to Crossroads, praise the Lord. But uh, at the same time, I want you to open up your eyes to how God can use you practically with those people that you spend literally hours with every single weekend. Back when... uh, uh, we were at ball fields, uh, baseball fields, uh, a lot of Fridays and Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays. Um, it's amazing that the, the parents, you are with them constantly each and every week. 
And between games, you find yourself going out to a restaurant, going out and getting some food or that. Why not just ask them, hey, you want to come up to Arby's with us? You want to go to Taco Bell? You want to go grab a burger somewhere? It doesn't have to go beyond that. Just start with a relationship. Start with a friendship. Um, You know, cart one another's kids around, back and forth to practice. And it's, it's amazing what God will do in opening up those relationships. So many of us feel like, okay, we're, you know, we land at the same practice, same ball game, we sit in the same place, and we just kind of ignore one another. I invite you to take that initiative, take a, an interest in, in a person, find out their names, find out uh, you know, their, a little bit about their lives, where they come from. You know, who knows, they might be awesome, and they might be from Canada. You, know, you just might, you know... <laughs> You might find out something really cool about them. But just take that initiative. Beyond that, here at the church, we have some opportunities for you to invite people. I I mentioned Halloween. That's coming up in a few weeks. A great opportunity. Trunk or treat. We usually put on a week before Halloween so it doesn't get uh, messed up in in all the events that are happening on, on that night. It's a great opportunity to connect with some of your neighbors and invite them to something that's... uh, it's just really low key. On Halloween night, uh, the 31st, this year's on a Wednesday night, we deliberately um, shut down our programming for that night. And you, you might uh, think first thing is, oh, you know, Pastor Darren and Crossroads has caved to the social uh, influences and the negativity of, of this pagan holiday. No, in fact, we've done just the opposite. We've been proactive because we believe that as the community is going house to house, wouldn't it be great if we're in our community being the light of Jesus? You know, making those relationships. If you live in town and you got 100 kids coming to your door, what a great opportunity to be a light of Jesus Christ and form those relationships. You might live out in the country and you might say, Pastor Darren, you know, no one within 100 miles comes close to my house on Halloween night. What a great opportunity to, to piggyback with somebody in town, one of your friends or someone you go to life group with who lives in town. Uh, and if you don't know anyone uh, who has 100 kids coming to your house, I can give you the names of people, that, you know, and they'll tell you, bring candy because they're over overwhelmed. But a great opportunity for us to reach out in our community on a night when the community is in the community, rather than huddling inside the four walls of the church and trying to ignore what's going on in our community. I want you to be creative. I want you to think of some ideas. Uh, Mindy, many of you know, is in her front office. Uh, the youth group last weekend blessed her with something that she just, the Lord put on her heart. Uh, she uh, caught it. It was actually the series that uh, some of our life groups are doing. They talked about the teal picnic table in the front yard. Well, the youth blessed uh, Mindy with a teal picnic table that's going to go in her front yard, and it's going to kind of be that community meetup place. She's going to sit out there with a cup of tea, and anyone who's so out walking in her community, out in her neighborhood. So just being creative, coming up with some ideas on how you can engage those around you in your community. Don't just talk about it. Don't just think about it. Do it. So it's practical. Second thing I believe that Love Where You Live uh, does and, and is, is it's powerful. It's potently powerful. When we offer ourselves up to God, God fills us. And it truly is life-changing. It's transforming. Lives are changed. Situations are changed. Generational struggles are changed. Legacies are changed. There is an impact that we have uh, on those around us. Think about those who, who you come in contact with and then fast forward 20 years. 
Could you imagine a, a life or a family that you have an impact on 20 years from now? Looking back and saying, remember when, when you came in and met me at the fence and, and you said hi. And, and make a long story short, I surrendered my life to Christ and now my kids and my grandkids and, and my family, my extended family are serving the Lord. What a legacy. What an incredible supernatural change and transformation that has gone on. Healing, freedom, hope, joy. You can play a part in people's lives bringing change and transformation. Take a look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is Jesus just before He's going uh, up to the Father and sending into heaven. He, he says this to His disciples. He says, but I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come on you and you will be filled with power. Now this is the, uh, the Passion Translation. It says, you will be filled with power and you will be my messengers to Jerusalem throughout Judea and the distant province, even to the remotest places on earth. You will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. His power at work within us, Ephesians 3.20. And you will be my messengers. You will be my envoy. You will be the one who brings this message of hope to the world. An envoy or a messenger is one who is sent on a special mission, usually with diplomatic purposes. And as we pray that the, the kingdom of God would come in our lives and in this place, we're praying that the kingdom of God would, would be ushered into our communities and into our neighborhoods. We're messengers, we're envoys of His goodness and His favor and His love. Look at Ephesians 6. This is Paul encouraging the Ephesian church. And you might be familiar with the New International Version, which says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. His mighty power. Once again, Paul accentuating that it's God's work in us and through us. Take a look at the Passion Translation and what it says. I love this. It, it, it's kind of like the amplified version on steroids. But take a look. It says, now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious, I love this, with the force of His explosive power flowing in you and through you. Just keep that up there for a second. Read over that. His explosive power, there's dynamite flowing in us and through us. His kingdom come, His dominion, His strength that we are supernaturally infused with. You didn't know you were playing with fire, playing with dynamite when you were opening yourself up to the Lord and Him working in you and through you, did you? The force of His explosive power. We need to tap into Christ. That's, that's my desire for us today is that we'd pray that powerful prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me so that others' lives would be impacted. Take a look at James chapter 5. James 5.16, many of you know this verse in a, in a different version, but once again, the Passion Translation says this, confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another, and then pray for one another to be instantly healed. That's, that's another sermon. But get this, for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Do you believe that? Even before you get off the mower and step over to that fence line to say hi to your neighbor, we need to be praying for our neighbors. We need to be praying, and as we do, 
The prayers of a righteous one are powerful and effective. The tremendous power of God is released through your prayers. I think we have to stop talking about it and, stop, or, and start doing it. Stop just uh, saying, oh, isn't that nice? Yeah, oh, we need to pray for him, but let's do it. And let's see what happens. Let's expect something to happen. So not only is loving where you live practical, it's powerful. Trust me, when you start moving in this direction, watch out. Amazing things are going to start happening. Not only in you, but in your community and in your neighborhood. Finally, I believe this is purposeful. It serves a purpose. This isn't uh, quite what you think. The purpose of loving where you live is not to increase church attendance. The, the purpose of loving where you live is not to raise uh, the income and the budget of Crossroads Church. The, the, the purpose of loving where you live isn't to build a bigger youth group. The purpose of loving where you live isn't to be the biggest church on the block or in the county or in the region. This serves one purpose and one purpose alone is that we let people know that God loves them. That's it, period. And whether they go to church down the street, whether they, they move out of town, doesn't matter. They need to know that God loves them passionately and that a transformation would take place in their life. That everyone would know that God loves them and he sent his son to die on a cross for them. Everyone matters. Over and over and over again here at Crossroads, we say that everyone matters. Why? Because God matters to us. And each and every person is created in the image of God and matters to God, and therefore every single person matters to us. Out in the lobby, referred to this many times on the, on the stone wall, um, etched on both sides near the doors that you come in, is excerpts of Isaiah 61. Take a look at what it says in Isaiah 61. Familiar verses to us. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Comfort the brokenhearted. Release for the captives. Freedom for the prisoners. There's a purpose behind what we do. There's a reason why we do what we do. That there would be a change and there would be a transformation in people's lives. And I believe firmly that this is what is going to happen next week. It's going to happen the week after. It's going to happen the week after that. And it's not just Sundays either. It's going to happen in your neighborhood. It's going to happen at your work. It's going to happen in this community. It's going to be happening where you step your feet. Where you go. As you bring the light of Jesus Christ with you. You're a distributor of blessings. You know, it, Isaiah goes on and he, he says that, that, that we are priests. We are, are messengers. We are ministers of our Lord. And that as a result, there's this double portion of blessing that comes with that. And I believe firmly as we step out in faith and we step out with that receptive uh, heart that says, Lord, I don't have the tools to do what needs to be done. I need you, just like Mrs. Stout prayed 
I need you to give me the tools and give me the ability to function the way I need to in order to bless those around me and be the most effective person I can for you and for your kingdom. That's a bold prayer. That's a powerful prayer. And that's what I want us to do today. I'm inviting the worship team to come up.